Welcome to this podcast by City Point Church, Redcliffe. We are so happy you could join us and pray that the following message will encourage and empower you. So tonight, uh, I've got a word and uh, I've called it poured out. I think with our life is that anyone's life is that we actually need to live a big life. Who, who believes that they need to live a big life? Okay, five of us. Who thinks that they need to be, live a big life? You know, if you've got someone around you, if you've got someone next to you, I believe that each and every one of us need to live on purpose. Uh, we need to live for something more than just ourselves. That's what I believe. And, and I want to know that when I, I leave this planet is that I just haven't lived for myself, but I, I've lived for generations to come. Who else wants to leave a mark? Who else wants to get to the end of the day and, and someone just doesn't remember what you said, but they remember what you did? True? True? And, and so in order for us to do that, I, I believe that we are called to live poured out. You know, we are called to live for those around us. And so as I, I read through the Bible and I, I look through the Bible, I see great men and women of God that poured out their life. They, they poured out their life. They poured out their life for the gospel. They poured out their life for individuals to come and meet Jesus Christ. You know, do you live a life like that? Could you honestly say that those around you know that you're a Christian? Could you honestly say that those around you know what you stand for? Can you? You know, do they actually have to ask what you stand for? Or can they tell by your actions? You know, if you live poured out, if you lived a life of generosity, extreme generosity, if you live that sort of life, people won't have to guess. They'll know. They'll know. They'll know what you stand for. They'll know. And because they know what you stand for, they'll believe in you. They'll look to you. They'll come to you for answers. They'll come to you because they know that you won't turn them away, but because they know who you are. And so I believe as Christians, we're supposed to live like that. We're supposed to be on the edge so people aren't guessing. It's not a guessing game. It's, yes, I know what Brent stands for. Yes, I know who Bal is. Yes, I, I know that there is something different around their life. And, and the only thing I can put it down to is Jesus. It's Jesus. And so I pray for each and every one of us is that we would live a big life, is that we would be known by our action. We'd be known for our care for one another. We'd be known to be ones that would just pour ourselves out no matter what. No matter what. I love King David reading his stories through the Bible. He was a man that poured himself out for the things of God. He was a man that poured himself out for a nation. His desire was always to be in the presence of God. You know, when, you, when your desire is to always be in the presence of God, people will always find you where? Either in one or two places, in the house of God, or where's the other one? In your prayer closet. It's true. Where'd you always find David? He was always out in the field praying. Where was the place you'd find him? Wherever the ark was. The first thing when he became king, what did he do? He went looking for the ark. Why? Because in those days, that's where the presence of God was. You know, people will know you by where you position yourself. And so my question today is, where do you position yourself? 
Do you position yourself in the house of God? Or do you position yourself in another place? And let me tell you, as a Christian, it's not going to be a convenient life. God actually expects something of us. He expects something of each and every one of us. And this is what I love about David is his heart was always for the presence of God. His heart was always for the presence, but also, too, his heart was always to connect Israel back to the living God. He was always about bringing his country back to right standing with God. There is only two desires, to be in the house of God all the days of his life and connect his nation back to a God. And so that's where we find him. We, we find him in that place. His heart was after God. His heart was always after the things of God, but yet he poured himself out. He, he never took entitlement. He never took those things that were rightfully his. He always poured himself out. And as he poured himself out, God started to bless him. It reminds me of the time where he's longing. He's held up in a cave and he's in this cave and he's just longing for a drink. You know those times where you're just longing for a drink, but, but it's just not any water. You know that moment where you know you haven't had a certain drink for a number of days. For some of you, it could be coffee from Cam when he's on the coffee machine. You walk in one Sunday and you realize he's not there. You know, that desire, it's like, I want that one. I want that taste. That, you know, that he had this desire, oh, I, I wish I, I, I could have a drink from the well. I, I wish I could have a drink. And he's held up in this cave and his mighty men hear him about this desire that he has. These mighty men are like, you know what? Our king, our, our, this guy that pours himself out for others. This, this guy that lays his own agenda down for, for, for us right now, he, he wants a drink. And, and so what they do is they, they break through and, and this well is in enemy territory. This well has been captured and the Philistines are there. And so they break through and go and get him a cup of water. You know, that's commitment. Like really, staff right now, listen up. It's commitment. It is commitment. Is that they, he just has this notion that this is, and all of a sudden they're there, they're, they're in this thing. They bring it back to him. And I, I love this scene where they bring it back to him. And we're going to pick it up in 2 Samuel 23, 14 to 18. And it said, and David was then in the stronghold and the garrison of the Philistines was in Bethlehem. And this is where the well was. And David said, longing. Oh, that someone would give me a drink of water from the well of Bethlehem by the gate. And the three mighty men broke through the army of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem by the gate and brought it to David. But he could not drink it, but he poured it out to the Lord. And he said, be it far from me, O Lord, to drink this drink, is it not the same as the blood of the men who went at the risk of their lives so he would not drink it. Those things, or these things, did the three mighty men. How disappointed would you be if you risked your life? You put your life on the line for a drink of water? You bring it back to David, and all he does is he looks at it, he praises God, 
and he tips it out. He doesn't even let it touch his lips, but he offers it out. He, he pours it out to God. He pours it out to God. And as I was pondering over this scripture a, a number of years ago, I realized this is that he was actually entitled to the water. He was actually entitled to that water. He, he was a king. He was there. He was in that moment. Someone had given it to him. He was actually entitled to it. But yet it was like, whoa, God, you know what? Right now, here, I'm just going to pour it out. How disrespectful. How would you feel? You know, those moments where you bring someone an offering. You give someone a gift, but, but all of a sudden they just either tip it out or they pour. Why would you do that? But here's David. He's like, you know, I, I know my men have risked their lives. And because they've risked their lives, far be it for me to partake of this. I'm not worthy. Is that there is someone more worthy than me that deserves this sacrifice. And far be it for me to put my, myself in the place of where the King of Kings is. And sometimes we live our life like that. Is it those things that should be offered to God? Instead, we take them for ourselves. You know, instead of giving them over to God, we take them for ourselves and we take them with the mindset of entitlement. Huh, I, I don't know. I, I've got four kids. And I'll, I'll let you know a little secret. I love dessert. I love dessert. My wife didn't know what dessert was until she married me. I go around to her parents' place. They don't have dessert. What sort of parents are they? I had to bring my own. You know, after 18 years, they've finally caught on. Sam likes dessert. Now they've got dessert in their freezer. Amen. You can teach an old dog new tricks. Anyway, but that's how it works. And so... Here we are, but, but when you have four kids, you know, I, I love apple crumble. I love ice cream and apple crumble. And, and who knows, kids always eat too fast. It's wrong. It's absolutely wrong. They eat too fast. Judah, Jesse, no more. I sit there. They finish the bowl of ice cream in 2.5 seconds. I'm about to take the first mouthful because I've set them all up. Next minute, I, I even go into another room so I won't be disturbed. I'm like, maybe, maybe this time they won't find me. I'll go and sit. I'm getting a lock for the door. But I sit down and next minute I'm there and on either side of the armchair, I've got two kids. You can't say no to your flesh and blood. They look at you with those eyes as though they're starving, but they've just had a full dinner. They've just had dessert, and now they're eyeing yours off. I'm entitled to this. I worked. You didn't go out to work. You just sat at home. You went to school. That's fun. But somehow... I pour myself out for them. The eyes, they look at me. And, and I take the first one and they're like, 
can we just have some ice cream? You know, it just starts with that, we just want one. One. Unbelievable. You know, I'm entitled to it, but instead I go, you know what? Okay, I'll pour myself out for you. I will give up the only thing I ever have for myself. And so I've learned this. I have two desserts now. Or it's, it's, you know, sometimes it's even like getting married. Guys, you know, the ones that are about to get married, you've got to learn this. This is the thing that you actually have to learn. You know, um, what's hers is hers. And what's yours is hers. You'll have a safe marriage right there. That's how it works. But you pour yourself out for those that you love. You pour yourselves out. Now, entitlement says that, you know what, I deserve this. Do you know who I am? David could have said that. You know what, I'm going to have this. Do you know who I am? I, I deserve this. You are my servant. You are, I, I deserve, but instead he pours it out. You know, entitlement is actually self-seeking, self-orientated, self-gratification. You know, entitlement culture tells us that we have the right to material abundance, comfort with zero problems and a nice house. That's what entitlement says. I never want to live entitled. You know, some of us are saying right now, you know, I don't have a problem with living entitled, but the problem is that I just don't get my own way in everything. Yeah, I, I reckon that some of us just need to take a step back. What are the things in life that really matter? You know, consumerism plays on entitlement. You know, the ads that we see, the statements, you know, you owe it to yourself. You deserve it. Who's heard that? You owe it to yourself. You deserve it. They're just after your money. Newsflash, they're just after your money. Uh, It'll be gone in a couple of seconds. You know, really, they're just saying, you know, you're entitled. Just take it. Just do it. We need to be careful. Entitlement attitudes can impact our lives in many ways. And if we're going to see the next generation stand for Jesus, if we're going to see God move upon this nation, then we need to pour it out. Some of those things that we're entitled, we need to just pour it out. We need to pour out ourselves. We need to come to a place where it's God. You know what? Here I am. I'm laying myself down for you. Matthew 7, 22 to 23. In the message version, it says, knowing the correct password when you get to heaven, saying, Master, Master, for instance, isn't going to get you anywhere with me. What is required is serious obedience, doing what my Father wills. I can say it. Uh, I can see it now. At the final judgment, thousands strutting up to me and saying, Master, we preach the message. We bash the demons. Our God-sponsored projects had everyone talking. And do you know what I'm going to say? You missed the boat. All you did was use me to make yourselves important. You didn't impress me one bit. You're out of here. I never want to be the one that turns up like that. I want to make sure that I'm pouring myself out. Brown says this, what separates privilege from entitlement is gratitude. Gratitude. 
is that David, he was so grateful. God, I can't believe these mighty men that you've put around my life. Lord God, I, I can't believe these ones that are, that are following me right now. I, I can't believe these ones. This is absolutely amazing. Who am I to take this water? God, I, I don't deserve these guys around my life. Right now, I'm just going to pour it out. Right now, I'm just going to take it and I'm just going to pour it out as an offering, as, a, as gratitude to you, God. Because I'm not entitled. I'm just favored. The, the grace of God is upon my life and He's positioned me in this place. Right here, right now. David had gratitude for all that God had done for him. When gratitude reigns in your life, you can't help but pour yourself or, or pour out into the things of God. You know, the Apostle Paul puts it this way in 2 Timothy 4, 6 to seven, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering. <laughs> and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Here's Paul. He's right here saying, he's, Hey, you know what? I've poured myself out. I've poured myself out. I have finished the race. God, I've been obedient to you. I'm, I'm here. God, I've kept the faith. No matter the obstacles that have come against me, I've kept the faith. I've stood strong. Here I am. I'm standing strong. I've fought the good fight. With your life right now, could it be said that you're standing strong? Could it be said that you've fought the good fight, that you've put yourself out there? Now, I love this election because Scott Morris, he put himself out there. How many Christians actually put themselves out there? You know, as Christians, we need to put ourselves out there. We need to support each other. We need to get in there and pray for each other. We need to fight the good fight. It's, it's not just a natural fight, but it's a spiritual fight. We need to cover our, each other, you know, in prayer. We need to declare that God is here. He reigns. David pours it out and he's like, you know what? I'm declaring that God is in this place. I'm declaring that he reigns. Now, I love the text. I text Luke Howth, our local MP, just congratulating him. And he sends me a text back and he goes, you know what? The glory in our seat goes to God. That's what he says. That's his text back. I, we, you know, we need righteous men and women that are going to stand up with faith. I don't care what you know, party they're in, but if they have faith and conviction can stand, then they're... They need to be there. If they can cross the party floor, they need to be there. But, but as Christians, we shouldn't shy away from actually supporting those that are willing to stand. Because, you know, if they don't stand, who is? Obviously, you're not. Whoa, sorry. But this is where I want to be. Being poured out is an act of your will, not your emotions. It's the act of the will. It's a decision before it's an action. We are called, and here's my points right now, we are called to be poured out into people. We are called to be poured out into people. Let, let me tell you this, friendships. A genuine friendship moves in a positive, mutually beneficial direction. Uh, right now, if your friendships aren't moving you forward and they're taking you back, you need to reassess. If you're not pouring yourself out into your friends and they're not moving forward, 
then you need to reassess what you stand for. You need to reassess, are you truly a friend or you're just along for the ride? You know, as we pour ourselves out into those around us, you know what, what takes place is that we benefit those around us. We push those around us into their potential, into their God potential. The mighty men of David, when they came around him, they became greater for it. Their exploits, what they did is they, they took on, they defeated giants themselves. They became mighty men, mighty warriors. You know, for those around you right now, how are your friends standing in the faith? Or, or better still, how are you standing in the faith? How are you standing? Are you pouring yourself out? Are you giving of yourself? You know, friendships don't stand still. They're always moving. They're always moving. You know, it's not, news for, it's not all about you. I find when, when I got saved, when I accepted Jesus, when I stepped into being a Christian, I realized all of a sudden it didn't come about me. It came about Him, His purpose. He poured into me, so I'm here to pour into others. Each and every one of us. You know, I, I hate how people come into church. I can't find a friend. What are you doing, looking under the seats? You're supposed to make friends. It helps. You know, there are certain things, I look at statements and I'm like, you know, that statement, it's actually all about you. It's not about anyone else. It's like people trying to find the perfect church. Let me tell you, I'm going to be the first to offend you. That's okay. You just get over it right now and then we're fine. You found the perfect church. Because everyone else is brilliant. It's a fact, hey babe. Thank you. Right answer. John 15, 13. Greater love has no man than this, that he lays life down. One's life down for his friends. For his friends. Let, let me tell you, let's touch on marriage. Let's touch on families, husbands and wives. You know, God created marriage as mutual companionship, friendship, comfort between a man and a woman. You know, where they would or should help each other the way only they know how. As in your marriage should be going forward. You should be pouring yourself out into your loved ones, into your kids, into those around you. It's a covenant to sustain and strengthen each and every one of us in faith. It's a union between God, a man and a woman, and then the kids come and it's a sustaining thing where you dig deep into the things of God. You know, it's the power to develop each other's potential in spirit, in soul, in body, committing you know, yourself to caring and honoring each other. You know, it's a pouring out. Is that we are called to pour out into people, pour out into those around us. We are also called to pour out into the next generation. You know, as we pour out into our friends, as we pour out into those around us, we are called to pour out into the next generation. Let me tell you this. We are called to make a mark for the next generations. You and I are called to make a mark for the generations to come. You know, we are called to be in this place to actually make a mark so that people will know that we've actually been here. You know, I want to rustle a few feathers because what I find is that when you start rustling feathers, people know that you're there. If you're just nice, uh, let me tell you this, 
the nice guy never gets the girl in the movies. He gets walked all over. It's the one that rustles the feathers. It's the one that actually has a little bit of a, a backbone. You know, that, that little one, like, you know, that, that one is a, you know, it's not about just, I, I tell you, when I got Carolina, I wasn't that nice. I was awesome. She was like, where are you going with this? Like, it, I just pulled up to a house on, the ninth, when, on her 19th birthday. We weren't even going out. And I just said, you know what? We got a Red Frogs trip tomorrow, uni trip. Young adults are coming. I've paid for you. I don't want to hear anything about it. You're coming. That was about it, wasn't it, babe? She actually didn't have an option. I know if I was nice, she wouldn't have come. And so sometimes we just need a bit of boldness around our life, just a bit go, you know what? This is where I stand. This is what I want. And, and I'm not going to take no for an answer, but I'm not going to let you answer. You're just going to come. And I'll, I'll tell you, if you want to run a good youth ministry, a young adult ministry, that's what you do. You drive your car around. And I would ring the parents and say, hey, listen, I'm out the front of your house. You can tell Johnny to come out right now. And then they'd be like, he's not getting out of bed. Okay, I'll be in in five seconds. The mum would open the door, I'd go in, get him out, and we're out. You know, no option. Because I'm here to impact a generation. I'm here to leave a mark for generations to come. Each and every one of us are here to do something. You know, we're here to pour into the next generation. I will tell you this, wealthy people, people with a wealthy mindset, with a, with a mindset that, that isn't one of poverty, of lack. You know, people with a wealthy mindset plan for three generations. People with a poor mindset plan for Saturday night. What do you plan for? The reason we've got a 10-year plan is because we're not planning for us. If I'm here or not, I want to make sure that there's resources in this place. I want to make sure that it's set up so that the next generation after can inherit the land. Can inherit more than what we have here. Can inherit a place where, you know, it's free to worship God where it's free to speak. I love seeing the mighty men of David. David has a heart to build the temple. Proverbs 13, 22, it says, A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children, but the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. David, it talks about when it comes time, you know, God said, you know, you're not going to build the temple, but he's like, you know what, I'm not going to be, God, you're not shutting me out on this. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going to store up all the materials and then I'm going to give it to my son. You know, God gave him the blueprint, but God's like, you're not, you're not making this. You're the warrior. You've brought the nation of Israel back. Your son is going to build this. And so David's like, you know what? I'm not just going to spend everything. And the world would say, spend it. Don't leave anything to your kids. You know, the superannuation ads, the guys out riding the Harley, spend it while you can. Don't leave anything to the kid. You know, that whole thing. Wrong mindset. The world see it says he who has the most toys wins. God sees he who gives the most wins. And so we, we have this moment where it's our opportunity. And here's David. He's like, you know what, God, I'm not getting out on this. My desire is to always build a house, is to always build a place where you will dwell. See, what I'm going to do is I'm going to finance this sucker. 
he saves up about $1.2 billion, probably more than that now, probably $1.8 billion. But his mighty men come to the party. Those that were with him come to the party and they outgive him. They outgive him. Why? Because their heart was to see this place as well. Their heart was to see generations impacted because they knew the heart of David. They knew the heart of David was to see generations worshiping God. They knew for generations that right now that Israel would be worshiping God because of David, because of his love for God, because of how he would set the generations up. It's our turn now to set up for the next generations. And, And I'm saying, you know, in setting up for generations to come, it's about actually not just material stuff, but it's about a spiritual inheritance. You know, it's, it's more than we leave to our kids. It's more than we do for our kids. It's actually what we leave in our kids. You and I are called to leave a spirit of faith in our kids. I'm called to leave a spirit of faith in my young ones. I'm called to, to speak into their life. You know, we're not just raising kids, we're raising adults. And as we start to raise these young ones, what I, what I want to see is I, I want to see them step into those areas of life where they know that they can influence. That they know if they have an interest, I'll be there. If they have a desire to impact a certain part of society, I'll be there with them. I'll be their cheerleader with the pom-poms. I'll be awesome. I got the moves. I've got don't do it. And I said I would never embarrass my kids. But here we go. It's what we leave in them. Uh, I will say this. Is that right now children have a front row seat to their parents' lives. If we're going to pour into the next generation, the question is, what are they watching? (laughs) Is it just a show? Or is it a real life adventure where they can see courage, passion to overcome personal obstacles? Because if they're going to overcome personal obstacles in their life, they're going to get it from us. They're going to get it from us and how we live our life. If I can get the band up, someone's running out of time. Carolina. I find in the story of David is the reason David is on the throne is because Saul drunk from the cup of entitlement. Is that he was the original king. He was chosen by the people, but, but he was a different leader. In Acts 13, 22, and it says that when he had removed him, Saul, he raised up for him David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart who will do all my will. You know, when you drink from the cup of entitlement, that is all it will ever be. When David could have drunk from that cup, but that's where it would have stopped. You know, when it comes to giving to the things of God, what I find is that if you keep, if you withhold from God, if you spend it, that's all it will ever be. But as soon as you release it to God, sowing and reaping, the opportunity is endless. Because of gratitude, 
because of gratitude. David had a heart of gratitude. He had a heart where God, you know, I, I know your grace. I know your mercy. You know, David saw it as a privilege to be the protector of Israel. He saw it as a, as a privilege. You know, right now, I, I see it as a privilege that I'm here in this place. I see it as a privilege that I get to father four amazing kids. I get to be married to my wife. I'm like, God, I don't know what happened. I thought I wore the glasses, but man, whatever you did is awesome. And I find it a privilege. I'm like, God, this is a privilege. This, this is an honour. I find that it's an honour that I would be found in the house. That He would show me His grace and His mercy. When you look at David's actions, he thanked God out of the realisation, who am I to deserve this? God, Your grace has brought me to this place. All that I have, all that I am, I thank You, God. I find this is that when you receive the grace of God, grace destroys entitlement. And when grace destroys entitlement, it brings forth honour and gratitude. If we are to live poured out, we first must be poured into with the grace of God. We first must accept who He is. Mark 14, 23. Jesus talking, He says, taking the chalice, the Last Supper, He he gave it to them, thanking God. And they all drank from it. And He said, this is my blood, God's new covenant, poured out for many people. Is that Jesus Himself first poured Himself out before He asked us to pour ourselves out? Is it when He hung on that cross, it was Him pouring Himself out, paying a debt that we could not pay. Friend, tonight, that's what He did for you and I. His grace covers each and every one of us. His mercy covers each and every one of us. And as He poured Himself out, He said, you know what? I'm pouring myself out for you. I'm pouring myself out so that you could walk into eternity, so that you could have a relationship with God, so that you would know my Father. And as He poured Himself out, we received salvation. And when we receive salvation, we can walk. We can go forth in honour and in gratitude of what our Saviour has done for us. And having the revelation of what God did for us, we have the revelation of our life is not our own. Is it our, our life is not our own. It has been brought back. It has been paid back with a price and, and that price was paid by Him. And when you have that realisation, when you have that mindset, as David had that mindset, is that, you know what, I... I all that I have, I don't deserve. God, you've poured out your blessing and your favour over my life so that I, I can walk. Is it God, who am I? But God, I will pour my life out into those around me. Tonight, Jesus first poured his life out for you. Friend, tonight for you and I. 
Thank you for listening. We pray that this message empowers you to unmistakably influence your world for good and for God. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations. This is the beginning of a life-changing journey. We would love to see you at one of our many City Point Church services across Brisbane and the world this Sunday. You can find out more about our service times and locations at citypointchurch.com. We're so excited to see you there.